Welcome to Free to Watch, the podcast about free to watch TV, film and podcasts in the UK. I'm Rachel. I'm Sharon. And the first film we're talking about today is Black Christmas. Over to you, Sharon. So it's a Christmas themed episode. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably should point that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started something, started with something holly jolly and horrible. Um, Black Christmas, a 1974 film. And um, I mean, the tagline of it on its movie poster is if this picture doesn't make your skin crawl it's on too tight um <laughs> a little weird um and where's the happy little blurb gone? during the christmas break a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger um and yeah i'm gonna say it's a classic horror film that many a horror film has related back to in um the day since 1974. Um, we open on a Christmassy house. It's a sorority, as it says in the blurb. Um, and it immediately starts super creepy. You immediately are in the stalker's point of view, creeping around this house, finding a way to break in while these girls are inside, just having a little Christmas party, enjoying themselves and being independent 1974 women. Um, yeah. Um, the main... The main, I think it really circular. It's based around four or five main girls who live in the house and their house mother. Um, and one of the girls has just had a phone call with her mother with one of my favorite lines from the film You're a real gold plated whore, mother. You know that? <laughs> I did write down a few lines from this film because there was some corkers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when she finds out that her mother's cancelled her coming home for Christmas so she's stuck in the sorority house over the holidays and tries to persuade some of her friends to go skiing with her um and that's Barbara Barb who uh you might also recognize as um Adrian <laughs> and Lois Lane from Superman 1 so uh Oh, no, she wasn't Adrian. Sorry, I've mixed her up. She is Lewis from Superman oh, 1. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. um, what's the actress's name again? I thought I wrote it down, but... Uh, it is. Let's have a look. Margot Kidder. That's yeah. It. Yeah, Margot Kidder. Um, so she's definitely, I'd say, the most sassy of the sorority sisters. Uh, drinks a lot. Um, She's there, pissed off in the hallway. They get a phone call and it's the breather. Um, so someone has been repeatedly calling the house and um, leaving what I would say intensely creepy. Just, wow, they found creepy and they, they kept that bar high. Um, yeah, like the intense pig running noises. Uh, one of the quotes I've written down up here is when he's on the phone doing the pig grunting noises he says he's gonna put his tongue up their pretty pussies oh. and i'm like ah yeah it's oh oh my god it's dirty and the noises he's making the crazy old lady noises as well just mm. the cackling um yeah like the, the cackling the grunting the pure filth that he's talking on that phone um um and then when barb just gives him sass back and uh, is shouting at him he just says well i'm gonna kill you all and that's where our movie starts um the girls get into an argument um 
one of the, I'd say, more sensible sorority sisters, goes up to her room to pack. Creepy guy has uh, crept into the house through the attic and then suffocates her mm-hmm. and hides her in... Yeah, there's a good creepy scene where we're leading up to this, where you are like so on the edge of your seat, like, oh God, he's in the water. Oh God, is that the cat? No, it's not the cat. No, he's in the water. Oh my God, oh my God. And yeah, yeah, it's, it really is like super, super creepy. Oh, we um, forgot to say spoilers for all. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, sorry. Spoilers, spoilers, massive spoilers. But for that one, maybe not so much because it's literally their film poster is that picture of her suffocated mm-hmm. on the, um, on a rocking chair so yeah i suppose trigger warning there is a lot of there's a lot of death in it but it is a horror film so yeah and it's very 70s like the the language and attitudes are very 70s Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i made a note somewhere about how just how fun and authentic the set is but because it is because it was made in the 70s so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Duh. Yeah, it's very 70s it is very 70s but like a lot of really cool posters around the place a lot of um I just love what everyone's wearing it's yeah it's mm-hmm. a good little a good little window into 1970s sorority life as far as I know because I wasn't there so yeah yeah <laughs> it, it's what we would hope it would be perhaps apart from the stalking and the crazy guy creeping into the attic um but I think what's quite clever and fun about this film is that when um, the girl whose name I have completely forgotten to write down, who is the first victim in our film, they don't yeah. notice that she's missing. Yes, this is true. Yeah. The, as Bob refers to her when the girl storms off, the professional virgin. Oh, yeah. When, uh, because in the first scene when Bob's on the phone, this girl who is murdered first um, tells Bob not to provoke him. And Bob just gives no fucks whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And when the girl storms off upstairs, uh, Bob is like, well, I can tell a professional virgin when I see one. It's like, <laughs> wow, wow, Bob. You are brutal. Yeah. And then, I mean, in that same scene, she says, oh, you can't rape a townie, meaning that, like, you know, townies that are raped are just lying because they're just sluts anyway. And I was like, oof. Yeah. I had forgotten that line. Yeah, there were a few. Oh, Lord. That's... Oh, she it is a cow. It, it was brutal. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, so she's the first one to uh, meet a sorry end, but no one realizes that she's missing because they all think she's gone off, off um, home to her parents for her holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah, which is nice. Which happens a few times. Um, so the next character who's uh, soon to leave us is the houseman, <laughs> which I absolutely love her character. This really upset me. Yeah. Really, really upset me because she was my favourite character. This boozy, alcoholic house mother who has hidden all this booze around the house so Mm -hmm. she can get to it 
at every available moment. Yeah. And um, first of all, she's rummaging through a book to find like this cheap whiskey she's hidden inside a book. Mm-hmm. Then she's got more booze in the bathroom and the toilet system. Oh. Um, it's just like <laughs> booze everywhere. Gotta respect her dedication. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, and she uh she's constantly looking for this house cat. Um the house cat's seen everything, poor thing. I don't know where he ends up at the end of the film. Probably <laughs> in therapy, but um yeah. She's constantly following this meowing cat. She's just told one of the girls, You'll probably not see me now. I'm going off to my sisters for the holidays, searching around the house gets up into the attic and finds the missing professional virgin (laughs) suffocated and tied to a rocking chair, which is when she very brutally meets her demise. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, involving some kind of hook thing. Yeah, thrown at her face. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then she's up there in the attic with her um, and no one realises she's missing at all because she she said she'd go off the taxi driver comes down come, who's been waiting for outside just gets annoyed and drives away and um yeah we've got two bodies in the attic now mm-hmm. yeah, yeah they're just piling up yeah <laughs> yeah um following that we go to quite a a strange christmas party fundraiser thing where um you've got a very angry santa who just keeps swearing at children. <laughs> ho, 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 shit. Ho, 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 fuck. Uh, little kids are on his knee, don't really seem to care that he's swearing away. Everyone's drinking. Um, it's, it's incredibly 70s. <laughs> they also said that everyone looks like late 30s in this film <laughs> yeah yeah they've all got like huge tashes and sideburns and mm-hmm. even the sorority sisters look too old yeah yeah yeah, yeah it, like i don't know if it's just a generational thing where people who dress different and follow styles of previous decades look older mm. or if they are, were just older when this was shot yeah yeah, that's a good point. Did it, uh, yeah. But no, even at that age, what should they be? 18? Oh. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. Even at that age. Even at that age. Like I'd say nowadays, yeah, we have like more skin products and stuff like that. But what should they be? 18, 19? Mm-hmm. 20 yeah they yeah there is some uh film aging going yes, on definitely yeah yeah um so when we real we first realized there's an issue when the dad comes looking for uh the professional virgin because he's picking her up to take her home for the holidays um she's not met him as she said he would she would um and that's when the police kind of get involved eventually um we have the typical slapdash i want to say comedy policeman who's just kind of useless and yeah um 
Like every time someone goes to them going, such and such has gone missing. They're like, oh, probably ran off with a boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, thingy's not turned up. Gone off with a boy. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah. So those loose sorority girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just running off with men all the time. Um, so that's when things start to kind of ramp up a bit. Um, let me see. Sorry, I've gone quiet. Um, we also get another story thrown in there about one of the other sorority sisters, Jess, um, whose very highly strung boyfriend, uh, Peter, yes, has been um, rehearsing his piano recital. Not recital. Um, it's a bit more important than a recital, <laughs> isn't it? But let's just call it a recital for story's sake. Yep. Yeah, um, he's he's been practicing for his little recital for about three days. He's tired, he's cranky, um, but she desperately wants to talk to him about something. Um, in the meantime, we've got more of this creepiness happening around the house, more creepy phone calls. Um, she ends up giving him the news that she's pregnant just before his piano recital and he wants to keep the baby she doesn't we get into a big kind of I suppose conversation starter there about who who has uh rights over a woman's body and if he can tell mm-hmm. her she can't do this um which I suppose is quite apt for that age isn't it um women having more freedom over what they were allowed to do with their own bodies well I I really enjoyed this phone call where they're talking about it for the first time. And right yeah. at the end, he's like, I love you. And she's like, I know. Yeah. And doesn't say I love you back. And I was like, alarm bells. <laughs> you know, a woman is not happy when they do not say I love you back. They're like, no. I know. Yeah. Like, honestly, if someone said answers that with I know, like, alert, things yeah. are not going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they did it before Star Wars did then. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so this news and the argument they then have about um, her not wanting to keep the child because she wants a life and she's done what she needed to do to help him along with his career and she can't just follow him. She wants, she's got her own dreams and goals. That he doesn't seem to want to take them into account. There's a massive argument he then has a very weird sweaty scene where he's doing his piano concerto <laughs> exam and is slamming a piano and sweating profusely and very red in the face and clearly angry. He then takes the sledgehammer to his piano, which I suppose is our, our indication that he failed his recital and it wasn't some kind of progressive angry jazz piece. Um, yeah yeah but then we're also given insight into his anger issues um and violence and it's it's giving us a little hint that maybe he could be the creep Mm. um then next we're kind of given a new story when they've gone back to these inept policemen the women are trying to the sorority sisters are trying to get the police to take them more seriously about these phone calls and how creepy they are. 
and we also found find out that a little girl has gone missing a 13 year old girl has gone mm. missing in a park um so the police are kind of a bit more on it that they, they're doing a search party through um a big old park near them and uh yeah 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 this is kind of where it picks up a bit yeah because it's quite slow up until that point and then it's like oh you know people are beginning to take it seriously and then investigate it mm -hmm. the police have kind of moved away from the oh they've just run off with the boyfriend it's like yeah. oh this could actually be something real yeah. and kind of leads into them getting a um them actually looking into the obscene phone calls yeah um which of course Bob takes super seriously. Mm. And he's like, What's your number? And she's like, It's fellatio. Uh, because in America, like the numbers used to correspond to letters. So it'd be like, Dial 100, fellatio. And she was like, My number is fellatio. And the dopey police officer is just like, Oh, it's a real number. And writes it down takes it to the wiretap guys and the wiretap guys are like you're an idiot mm -hmm. an absolute idiot but eventually they do get the wiretap in place um and do start listening to the calls in the house yeah yeah um which lead to some very fun scenes or like fun might not be the right word but interesting <laughs> scenes of watching watching them just run along the telephone directory exchange place and mm -hmm. the sheer volume of space and how difficult it would have been to actually physically press a call back then i mean these were actually some of my favorite scenes but just mm. looking at that telephone exchange and how they used to work and mm -hmm. thinking how complicated everything used to be mm -hmm. um i really like the telephone exchange guy who delivered some really good acting while frantically trying to trace the physical wires. Yeah. Um, that was really fun. Um, and it's really nice to see some retro technology. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the one thing I would say, though, is considering that there is a 13-year-old girl missing and it's that the first 24 hours are the most important, those two detectives seem incredibly relaxed in their office. One of them spends most of his time just giggling behind his desk, <laughs> making jokes. And the other one's like, yeah, I'm just dealing with some sorority sisters. And they've got no evidence of any deaths having occurred. Their no. main importance should be this 13-year-old girl's gone missing. And yeah, there's a guy with creepy phone calls, but we don't actually know if it's anything more than a creepy, creepy fellow having mm -hmm. fun with himself on the phone. Um, <laughs> I was a little concerned about that. Um, but hey, it was the 70s, so yeah. I do think one of the most hilarious moments with those detectives is as they're listening into the phone calls, um, Jess is on the phone with Peter mm. uh, talking about killing a baby. Mm. And mm. the detectives are just, like, after the phone call ends, they ring Jess back and it's like, what's this about killing a baby? And she has to explain to them and her sorority sisters who are in the room that um, she's pregnant and think about having an abortion. Yeah. I was like, well, this is, couldn't be any more <laughs> awkward, could it? No, no, no. 
just cringe just outing my personal life to strangers and everyone i know yeah yeah um and that's they they do start to suspect peter then a bit as well don't they yeah yeah definitely yeah um also kind of when this phone call is on the go this is where the killer starts targeting bob yeah. What I have written down and described as if and stabby stabby. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew a glass unicorn could be so dangerous? I, I, I thought it was like a super large chess piece, maybe. Mm. Um, but yes, mm. Bob meets uh, her demise. Yeah, I I kind of feel like she was the worst, like the worst person ever, and was quite satisfied to see her die. But at the <laughs> same time, like he really went for it with the slasher oh, yeah. movie tropes there, yeah. just like yeah, yeah, and that hand on the shelf pushing down the other glass ornaments as she mm-hmm. is stabbed to death. Yeah, yeah, but no one hears anything. Oh. No, what, oh, there's carolers outside, isn't there? Is oh, that what yes. happens here? Yeah, there's always something else noisy going on. To the singing of children hides the scream of your sister. Yeah. Yes, in this old house with no insulation or soundproofing whatsoever. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then these calls keep getting more frequent and more frequent. Um. And the fellow inside the telephone exchange finally gets to the point that maybe we were all kind of expecting. The calls are coming from inside the house. So then they get inept, inept police guy to, uh... oh, no, sorry, we've we've lost another sister in the meantime. I've yeah. not written this down. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. We lost another sister in the meantime because she goes to check on Barb and Barb isn't answering the door. She goes into the room and sees her sister's been stabbed to death and I honestly can't remember how he kills her now. No, I thought she just ran away and like squished him behind the door and ran off. And then he starts chasing her through the house and she ends up in the cellar. No, there's the other sister. Oh, I missed one. The curly-haired girl. She does squish him behind the door. Oh, yeah, the, curly, the curly-haired the girl with glasses. Yeah. I can't remember this. Yeah. I do remember the girl. I just can't remember the death scene. I don't think you get to see it. No, now on hindsight, I don't think you get to see it. You know that she's gone in that room, she's screamed and she's seen her, and then it's revealed that the two of them are piled on the bed. Yes, when, thank yeah. you. Yes. Sorry, um, when um, when the policeman calls and tells, they have this little exchange, the detective tells this inept police desk man, do not tell her the calls are coming from inside the house. Tell her to just leave the house immediately for her own safety. What does he go and do? Tells her not that the calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah, what so this is just the pregnant one. Yeah, and what does she do? She goes upstairs. I've literally written down, don't go upstairs, Jess. Don't do it. But then you remember she doesn't know that everyone's been brutally murdered. No yeah. one in this house is aware of any of this house happened, apart from 
the curly head sister who yeah anytime anyone mm. finds out they get murdered as well i mean i wrote get out in big letters <laughs> <an explanation. laughs> get out so yeah it is quite a you are again on the end of your seat like oh no they're doing all the things like she's going upstairs or she's going in the cellar or she's not just leaving the house like they told her to like yeah mm -hmm. she's doing all our happy little horror movie tropes um so, so yeah yeah she goes upstairs and then discovers barbs with bob with the curly hair girl and the killer comes at her and she squishes him behind the door and then the chase ensues through the house she tries to get out through the front door but now it's magically locked yes they had a problem with the door they mention it at the beginning when um the house mum is carrying loads of packages inside mm. Like, oh, they have to fix that door. And then they don't fix it and it gets stuck. No, so she can't get out, ends up in the basement hiding. And then Peter appears outside the house looking through a tiny basement window. Mm. Mm. And then he crazily kicks out the window yeah. and goes inside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you're like, is it Peter? Is it not Peter? But, I mean, at this point, I'm like, well, it's obviously not Peter because if <coughs> he stabbed Bob that much, he would be covered in blood. Yeah. And we also know from her squishing the killer behind the door, we see parts of his body that are covered in blood. Whereas yeah. Peter's just frocked up, clean face, no blood anywhere. Um, but Jess I, is... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they mentioned earlier that he was there when one of the phone calls was made. Now, I can't mm. recall if he was in the same room, but he, yeah. So we have that little doubt as well. But I suppose if you're in the cellar, your boyfriend's just kicked a window through and he's kind of forcing himself on you. Yeah, you're going to be scared. Mm -hmm. You're going to be scared. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, he comes out, Jess. Jess then hits him. He's, he's dead after they grapple for a little bit. Mm. And then the police rock up. Yeah. And decide that she's killed the murderer. They never searched the house. No, this is what I've written. Seriously, the police just leave her there and don't check. Yeah, because she then goes up to her room to recuperate and there's meant to be a policeman watching her. No one checks the full house. No one checks the attic, even though there's a ladder bolted to the wall that goes straight up to the attic. Yeah. You can't be like, Oh, well, the attic doesn't exist. There's a ladder everyone can see going, oh, easy access to the attic. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also, this window that the first girl has been sat in, in her rocking chair, cellophane to the rocking chair, you can see it from the street outside the house. Yeah. Is no one yeah. looking at the house? Did yeah. the police... Please not investigate at all. Did none of them watch Psycho? <coughs> I mean, it's it's a cute little homage to Mother in the Window. Uh, no. no, 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 yeah. So yeah, it like it's totally open for a sequel. I don't think there was ever a sequel because the killer was never caught, and he's still just living in the attic. Yeah, just hanging out with his mm -hmm. corpse friends um, collection. Yeah. And we we never find out what his motivation was. Um, there's a lot of Agnes, it's me, Billy, or 
Agnes, it's me, Billy. Piggy <laughs> <laughs> squeak. Look, you have no idea what his motivation is or why he's running around calling sorority girls. I mean, it was the 70s. It was a time of serial killer hype. So maybe they didn't need an exclamation explanation. But um, mm-hmm. I feel like I could have done with one. A better police search and a bit of background on uh, what was going on there. But yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was um, It was very rushed at the end, I felt. Like, yeah. it was really slow at the beginning. We had all this kind of car- car- sorry, character development with Bob and Jess and the house mother. And also the father of the first girl turns yeah. up at quite close at the beginning because he's meant to be meeting her for Christmas. And then she doesn't show, and he's, like, trying to get the police to investigate and going around the house and... I quite enjoyed his character because everyone is so like out there and brash and yeah. he's kind of the stuck up prude just being like, why are there naked people on the wall of my daughter's bedroom? <laughs> um, and I quite enjoyed the way he was there to kind of polarise yeah. their their lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but for me, definitely the house mother was hilarious she was my favorite i was heartbroken when she got killed off yeah um yeah and so much ridiculousness like never finding the bodies not searching the whole house um just completely inept local police yeah yeah Mm -hmm. oh Full spoilers on it, but I did really enjoy it. <laughs> also, there's all these talk of all these people going away for Christmas and stuff, but it never seems to materialise. They just seem to stay and get murdered. Yeah, they never did get to go skiing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but House Mother, comedy gold. Her death yeah. sequence was comedy gold. Yeah. With the ginormous hook coming yeah. straight ahead. Wow. Lord, yeah, yeah, it was pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I would definitely say if you have not seen this, watch it because it is. Yeah, I, for for yeah. me, it had a very kind of "Don't Look Now," "Last House on the Left" vibe. So mm-hmm. if you're into that, definitely mm-hmm. check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you can see how other people have have learned from those tropes that they've thrown in there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good. It's a good from me. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, it was good. It wasn't one of my favorites, but it was good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's available on Plex. That's. Uh, I think I forgot to mention that earlier. I, I was about to ask you because I hadn't written down where it was. Yeah, available on Plex. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right, on to our next film. Sharon has already warned me. She has uh, some things to say. <laughs> <laughs> so this our next film is Wishing and Hoping on Pluto and ITV Player. Um, it is, where's my blurb? It's just a quick one. The ups and downs of a life at a Catholic school for 10-year-old Felix as the Christmas nativity pageant approaches. Um, It has got Molly Ringwald in it. The narration is by Chevy Chase. I uh, thought it had Adrian from Rocky in it, but I've got the mother actress mixed up with someone else. Um, So it's not Adrian from Rocky. 
but she, you know, it's got a cast that you'll recognise from loads of different places. Mm. And Meatloaf makes an appearance, which is very funny, in my opinion. Yeah. So shall we start with your ranty-ranty, or shall I just talk about my generalised opinions? And you can... Just talk about your generalised opinions, (laughs) and uh, yeah, yeah. So... This is this is a TV, made for TV movie. I think it's a Hallmark movie, and it's set in this Catholic school and really focuses on the rivalry between ten-year-old Felix and another top-ranking academic, top-ranking girl in his class called Rosalie. Um, basically, they start doing pranks. They drive and their nun teacher insane with the pranks because. Um, one day in class, Felix notices that there's a bat sat on the tannoy announcer in their classroom and he blows a spitball at it and it flies off around the room. The nun can't deal with it and freaks out and they she leaves. She has to go on like a sabbatical to recover from the trauma. Um, they get a replacement teacher who is Molly Ringwald who is this French Canadian very fun and breezy like she's brilliant in it I really enjoy Molly Ringwald in it because she is the fun part Mm. she's just trying to get the kids to be kids and stop worrying about who's the most intelligent in the class and competing with each other and just doing activities together and Mm -hmm. the idea that you know if you score highly on a piece of work, it shouldn't be rewarded because everyone's equal and all that matters is in her mark book with regards to that. Mm -hmm. In the classroom, you don't need to sit in rank order. You don't need to have the best pieces of work on the wall. Mm. Like, you just meant to be kids. Life isn't a competition. So I really appreciate that of her. Um, Felix's family is uh, Italian-American. And the dad owns a diner and works quite a lot. But then you get Felix hanging out in the diner, like with the workers that work there and also more about his family home life. Um, He has two older sisters who I felt were like super glamorous and super fun. Yeah. They're just there for giggles. Yeah. And they're really cute. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, did, I did enjoy the sisters. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can't hate on them. <laughs> I mean, generally, I was getting very strong Wonder Years vibes from this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have written that down. Yeah, really, really reminded me of that reminiscing. Oh, when I was a kid, this is what happened, and that's what happened, and we're going to go through my story. Um, yeah, these like. 50s 60s life lesson reflection voiceover thing total wonder years yeah um just very of that time um felix also has this nickname dondi yeah. because apparently he looks like a cartoon character called Don- dondi and he hates this nickname um so much that's a general theme through the film um the family also have a cousin called Annette Mm -hmm. who is meant to be this famous singer 
And the, this generally leads to some problematic yeah. things. So there is a scene in the diner where Felix is being babysat by the diner worker. Um, and I feel like you might have some issues with the scene. Mm. <laughs> no, this is what I wouldn't, this wasn't one I had no. issues with. No, apart from the health and safety aspect of leaving a small child in a diner <laughs> next to two oh, open fryers. But yeah. No. So the, the diner worker, Chino, is um, serving some Navy officers and having a bit of a crack on with them, telling some like sexist jokes at the time, and then goes to clean up in the back and leaves Felix unattended. Felix then wants to go and have a closer look at this poster of his cousin Annette, the famous singer, in a bikini that's hung over the fryer. He climbs on top of the fryer um, to get closer to it, gives it a big smooch, big smacker, and his tie then drops into the vat of oil. Um, and somehow when he tells his mother about, you know, his tie falling into the oil, she's angry. Like she's just angry at Chino, but at the same time, I'm like, he was climbing top of a vat of oil. He should have known how yeah. dangerous that was. He's yeah. ten year old. He's yeah. not a complete idiot. Yeah, I thought we were going to lead on to like him grabbing into the fryer to retrieve his tie and losing an arm or something. But no, no, there was just a chuckle scene of, oh, he deep fried his tie. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that there was that sense of impending doom in that scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, the, the, this what weighs on Felix's conscience very much is the kissing of his cousin's poster, and he wants to go to confession to get this off of his chest. And when he goes into the confession box, he's saying, "Oh, you never know what priest you're going to get, which father you're going to get." And apparently we get Meatloaf. Yay! Yay! <laughs> who is this raging alcoholic of a father who, when Felix unburdens himself of him kissing his cousin, takes this very, very seriously and wants some serious punishment and is very worried about Felix's immort like mortal soul mm. um, and leads to him wanting to ensure that Felix isn't tempted by incest anymore. Yeah. Um, and it, it is a bit awkward, but Meatloaf plays it off so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a little ray of sunshine in this film. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Once we return to the classroom after this, um, they have a new classmate, a Russian called Zenya, yeah. who is very different than what any of these kids have experienced before. Um, and there's some really cute scenes with Zenia. Like her father walks her to school every day and you know gives her a lunch and a kiss. And when she turns around, he like play kicks her on the butt and they pretend mm. like it's the first time he's ever done it and she mm. didn't know it was coming. And that was really cute. Just like this father-daughter fun relationship. Yeah. Also, they're trying to figure out, like, 
how she smells different, how she puts mayonnaise on her hair and like eats fish for lunch every day. Mm -hmm. But eventually she is kind of assimilated into a friendship with the boys in the class because she likes playing baseball and um, likes spending time with them at break, just playing and being kids. Um, I really like her energy because she just doesn't care what anyone thinks of her she just is who she is so this is what really upset me in this film okay was i've literally written those kids are little shits so the the girls in that class and i'm only taking this from like personal experience of being the foreign girl who joins a classroom and you're sat there in that lunchroom on your own Mm. and no one wants to sit with you because they think you're weird and strange and you get bullied and that I just feel like much as this is a very much hallmark cute reminiscent oh look they're teasing her that she might be a communist or yeah she's Mm. sitting and eating a sad lunch on her own she would not be sat there smiling she might be doing it as a front Mm -hmm. but that poor girl would have been so lonely and I'm not Mm. there is a there is a a scene where she punches a nun and I'm not surprised because <laughs> that pent up anger that yeah you end up playing with the boys because the boys are the only ones who aren't so judgy and I mean oh, to be fair it's, it's just the nun the nun did slap her first she did yeah she she was defending herself um yeah I just I just really it it bothered me that they were like oh she just sits there on her own at the table and eats a weird lunch and she's fine being on her own she's always smiling and mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. but I I also think part of that was reflective of how at the beginning of the film we had that super competitive classroom environment yeah where everyone was in their little cliques and yeah you know, ranked according to their intelligence and yeah. constantly complaining about other people's behavior just to get them in trouble trouble and this constant one-upmanship in everything they did was really intense and I I do agree with you that there is this I mean more so with girls from my experience this very much cliqueiness fear Mm. of the unknown competitiveness just Mm. you know women on women crimes yeah um, that, that does tend to take place more because I think just I don't I don't know just little girls seem to really care what other people think of them yeah and because of that they see everyone else as a threat to yeah. their social standing true um true. and you know I've seen like as you said you've seen it from you being the new kid in class I I saw it throughout my schooling is just this idea that you always have to be better than someone. You can't just be accepting and friendly and welcoming mm-hmm. because oh, maybe that'll be detrimental to how you are perceived. Maybe they're prettier or more intelligent or yeah. so and so. Yeah, I, I totally get your point. I didn't really focus on this too much because yeah. it's so... I think I I get why they've done it. It's it's this little 
this little boy's reflection back on. So it's not something he would have seen unless he literally mm -hmm. saw her crying in the toilets one day. He'll just mm -hmm. remember her as that girl that smelled of mayonnaise and fish and, you know, was called a communist in class a few times. And he won't have seen that side. So his memory will be, oh, she was the weird Russian girl. She was fun. I get it. It's yeah. just... It in just wrinkled me so much. In many ways, it's a very much a story of a romanticized version of childhood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like there were problems, but they weren't so bad, and everything worked out, and we, we were friends in the end. Yeah. And how we laugh about it now. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Like yeah. that idea that the past was better. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, I could have just done with the teacher being a bit more strict about how much of a cow that um, Rosaline was. <laughs> oh, she was a, she was a bully. I mean, oh. later, late in the film, um, there's the Christmas tableaus, mm. and Rosalie's very upset that she doesn't get the role of Mary, and the way she uses her parents to come in and try and force their daughter into the role of Mary was actually a bit disgusting that parents can be like you could see where she got it from her parents were bullies yeah. throwing the weight around going well we're not going to print the Christmas brochures we're not going to you know that costs a lot of money we're not going to do it unless our little girl gets a good part and yeah. it, that was disgusting and yeah but that, that frustrated me a lot the idea that money can buy you success mm. mm -hmm. um but then again you kind of understand rosalie a bit more because of it because that's what she's grown up with yeah 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 spoiled little manipulative child but... i mean the, the sisters are just as bad because when felix complains about rosalie bullying him and picking on him the oh. sisters are like oh well that's a sign she likes you oh my god <laughs> yeah which you know historically is someone would someone would say that to someone like oh if they're picking on you then yeah. they like you yeah. um so I, I mean it was hard to be mad about that because it was very of the time but at the same time that's not something we should be promoting to our children of today no, that no. mean someone being mean towards you means that they like you you know meanness should not be rewarded that way no 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 mm -hmm. um yeah i i've got definitely got like the older child syndrome thing from that rosalie girl where she was constantly just trying to get attention by being the best at everything so mm -hmm. i can sympathize with her a little bit like oh you just want the attention but you clearly had a loving home where everyone was just, yeah, pushing for you to be mm -hmm. little Miss Bestest. So maybe there was, maybe there was something going on there as well. I, I can't be completely, but I still hated her. <laughs> I just hated her. <laughs> oh, the cheek of her. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the themes that runs throughout the film is Felix. I'm going to have to describe the scene before the theme um felix has one of his friends stay over on a saturday night on the promise that he would go to church the next morning mm. the next morning him and his friend get up and go and have breakfast and i think the eldest sister is making breakfast mm. and felix's friend has a humongous crush 
on the sister and is like help can't stop staring at her helps her with like make breakfast and stuff and then gets up and it is implied that he has an erection oh you don't see the erection but it's applied the sister's reaction yeah to him standing up kind of says it all and she like hurries out the room and it's all very awkward yeah um yeah so yeah that that was very cringe to me yeah um and don't don't feel it needed to be included however after breakfast they get dressed and they're on the way to church and they decide to skip church and go to the cinema and they see a scary film where this this uh beheaded head this head prosthetic is thrown down the stairs and felix starts having nightmares about this head rolling into his bedroom and flashbacks to watching the film and whenever he's really anxious about something he seems to have this nightmare about this head and like on certain nights has to go and sleep in with his parents and his parents are like oh the head again <laughs> like yeah yeah you're too old for this you need to get over this head thing i do quite enjoy how the sisters prank him with that though and just throw like a cabbage or whatever it is in the room at him when he's sleeping on the floor yes the night guy. the night before the christmas show mm-hmm. felix is anxious has the head dream convinces his parents to let him sleep in their room and he gets a sleeping bag and he sleeps on the floor and he's woken up during the night and the sisters throw this cabbage into the room <laughs> and everyone starts screaming the parents aren't happy this you can just hear the sisters cackling in the hall <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's quite funny yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, another thing that Felix is very excited for during this whole film is he's very excited to go to the Ranger Station, which is a TV show that um, children of military personnel can attend and film for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So he's very excited. He's going to be famous. He's going to be on the Ranger Station. And um, the ranger station has very few opportunities to be kind of a feature kid so one of them is like holding the mailbag one of them is if you're called upon by the host and towards the end of the show the the ranger host is asking the kids to tell jokes and there's some really cute like christmasy themed jokes really innocent ones mm-hmm. um and then felix the very last one we got one more chance for one more joke and Felix gets picked and he tells this blue joke that Chino at the restaurant had told the sailors and um yes and the joke is what's what's the difference between a meatloaf an oven sorry what what's the difference between an oven and a woman what have a woman and, and an oven got in common that's it, thank you. You've got to warm both of them up before you put the meatloaf in. Thank you, I told totally <laughs> Yeah, but of course, this 10-year-old telling it on national live TV, um, there's a very fun car journey back with the parents. Mm. They're just like, where did you hear this joke? You don't tell that kind of joke. And Felix is like, I'm 
know it was a bad joke. I didn't know it wasn't appropriate. And the mum like to the dad, like, you know, you can, why didn't you speak to him about this? Felix, you know, you can speak to us about these things if you hear things that you don't understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a weird, he never, despite all these weird things that happened, there doesn't seem to be any real punishment in this, in this. It's no. such a golden days of youth. Everything yeah. was great. Like, you just told a blue joke on live TV. You're not going to get in any trouble. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. very idyllic. Yeah, yeah. You nearly burned off your arm in a deep fryer. You're not going to get in any trouble. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So then finally we arrive at the Christmas show day and Rosalie has managed to shoehorn her way in by writing this special play where she is the narrator. And um, I found this scene very funny because there is one black child in the the class and she has purposely written a part for him as the only black saint she knows who happens to be the saint of hairdressers. Mm. And the... The kid is not happy about this, is fully aware that he is being exploited by her Mm. for her means Mm. and um, kind of refuses to play along unless he gets his own way, which I really admire. Yeah, and he, yeah, he did manage to turn that completely towards his favour in the end. Yeah, what a one-up there for you, kid. Yeah. Yeah. So someone does get one over on Rosalie. Mm. Um, So, yeah, the play starts... Uh, we have a lovely introduction by a very drunk meatloaf, who <laughs> <Yep. laughs> is a mess and brilliant. Um, they they do the so it's like choir performances, and in between the choir performances and play bits, uh, the kids in Felix's class are doing the tableaus, mm-hmm. and um, Rosaline has a full on breakdown because Mary becomes ill. Um, Molly Ringwall, the teacher, asks uh, Zanya, the Russian child, to step in for Mary. And Rosalie just completely loses it. Absolutely. Just starts a fight, trying to get the costume, trying to get the role of Mary. Felix suddenly becomes baby Jesus and is plonked in the crib with a blanket over him with uh, doll legs sticking out the bottom of it, which mm. actually worked funny. really well visually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and as the curtains open, the audience are just a preview get a full-on preview of this disaster of Rosalie and Xenia fighting and Felix with his baby legs. And it, mm. it's very funny mm. um, how, you know, it's a success, even though it's a disaster. And yeah. it, Felix's sisters have some really snarky comments during this show, which were really good. Yeah, um, yeah. And that kind of brings us to the close. Uh, at the end of the play, Cousin Annette turns up and Felix actually gets to meet her for the first time in person. Mm. And no incest ensues. <laughs> um, <laughs> no need to worry about yeah. love. It was all fine. <laughs> you know, and they all, they all go off to have dinner together. The end. Yeah. And then at the end of the credits... 
the Chevy Chase narrator tells us, you know, what everyone's doing now and how it's a real story based on his book. And yeah, 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 I'm like, fine, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I just, I was so annoyed about it, but it, it did just feel like if you wanted to have a film to like not watch on Christmas Day or something like the bit where you've all eaten you're all kind of like tired um yeah there are better films to watch but yeah I, I must admit at the end of it I was like oh I feel bad I picked this film because it's pretty bland <laughs> it's really bland it's just uh, it's a total Hallmark movie I I really did pick it because it had Chevy Chase and Molly Ringwall in it and such a child of the 80s I got excited for that yeah. But it's just, you know, idyllic childhood. Would rather watch the wind years. Yeah, I, I just kind of, it just felt like a self-indulgent, self-indulgent, reminiscing. I don't want to say piece of crap because there were moments of happiness in it. And I, I have watched think... much worse holiday films, yeah. believe me, because my dad yeah. is obsessed with Hallmark <laughs> Lifetime Christmas <laughs> rom-coms. There, there are some worse ones out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than, you know, the treatment of Zanya in the film, what irritated you? Because I feel like that's the only thing we've got into. Yeah, I think just the... I didn't really understand what I was watching I think having watched Black Christmas first and like had this or did I watch it first no I didn't no <laughs> having watched a movie with a plot that was it having watched a movie with a plot in general before this I was a bit like why am I watching this like what mm -hmm. and then it's slowly like oh I'm watching the Wonder Years but even they had like little lessons I didn't feel there were any lessons I didn't feel mm -hmm like there was a driver to it or what what journey are you taking me on here you were literally just it's a long car, car ride to your own home and you, that's how we started so there were cute little moments it was very wholesome saccharine it yeah it meanders along yeah it was it was it was a Werther's original of a film there we go well I mean it's a PG rating yeah <laughs> So I was yes. like, I don't know what I expected, but yeah, I just it's, yeah, it's not it, bringing me Christmas joy. It was very one note for me. There were funny moments though. I mean that you know Zenya punching the nun, um, the bus driver when they're on their way to the ranger station, and they're all doing the twenty three bottles of bus on the wall, beer on the wall, and mm -hmm. he does turn around and just say, "For all, for the love of all that's holy, would you shut up?" Which was like, "Oh my god, I need that from you. I needed that from you. I needed some emotion from someone." I from mean, I've got... yeah. There's a scene in the classroom right before the Christmas pageanty thing, and um, in the background of the scene on the blackboard, someone has drawn farting reindeers, and I really enjoyed that. I made a special note about it. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really sure where the title came from either, Wishing and Hoping. I think it's just because they wanted to use the song for the opening credits. That's the okay. only thing. Or maybe it was the title of the book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure about that either. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think that I think because it was based on a memoir, that's what threw me a bit. That mm. Yeah. It is, it is 
sometimes hard watching memoirs because it's such a personalised account and it's so skewed and as we both acknowledge that nostalgic, idyllic, romanticised version of childhood. Mm. It's it's hard kind of to create something away from the source material that's interesting. As you get so caught up in the like source material, it kind of loses some of its bite. I um, suppose there will be. The, maybe it's just I'm not their audience. Maybe there will be people out there that were like, "Oh, it was like that. Oh, remember those days? Oh, how mm-hmm. reminiscent." Yeah, yeah. I think I just it's not for me. But other people might enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it was. It was all right. Somewhere yeah. between meh and good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just all right. <laughs> I don't yeah. regret picking it. <laughs> no, no. I've seen it now. And I mean, Molly, Molly Ringwald's doing all right. So, I mean, she was in 2014. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she she is like the little ray of sunshine in that film. Yeah. Yeah. Her meatloaf and the, and the, uh, the two older sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's your rating? Meh. Meh. <laughs> Meh. Meh. I feel like I sat through someone else's kids' Christmas play. <laughs> like, so crying with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was very colourful. It was colourful. It, it was bright. I mean, yeah. uh, compared to Black Christmas with the yeah. 70s monotones. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was very time. bright. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, what else have you been watching this week? I've not, I've not really watched anything because uh, it's been busy and I've been packing to like go away for Christmas and stuff. So, I've been watching a lot of meme videos on YouTube to kind of like <laughs> cheer myself up after work mm-hmm. and like reset myself. And um, so, yeah, any of those like silly TikTok conf- compilations where you know fill people tripping over spilling drinks on themselves <laughs> um falling into swimming pools just I needed something that I could watch for 10 minutes to just instantly cheer me up mm-hmm. and sometimes you just need that to reset your brain yeah <laughs> so yeah a lot of really stupid me videos <laughs> No, no. Um, Yeah, like the ones where they squirt shaving foam into someone's hand while they're sleeping. Um, (laughs) Like really stupid things. Um, I don't have TikTok. Um, I just watch the YouTube compilations when I need it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, yeah, just giggle to them for 10 minutes and then feel more human again. Yeah. yeah, it's been a very YouTube heavy week because I've not had like two hours to sit down and watch a film or an hour to zone out to a podcast. So mm-hmm. other than the memes, yeah. I have been watching uh, some Sorted Food, which is a YouTube cooking program okay. from a bunch of guys in London who who are a bit laddie. 
but also really stupid at the same time. So they've been doing all their Christmas videos mm-hmm. at the moment, like trying to cook certain dishes and trying pretentious Christmas foodie gifts and mm-hmm. Christmas dinners from around the world and stuff. And it, oh. like, I like I like it because all the guys have good personalities and they're all quite fun and chatty and they've been doing it for a while. So they have a proper big studio kitchen mm-hmm. Um one of them is a professional chef, so they do a lot of professional versus normal cooking things oh. where the normals create disasters and then the professional chef comes in and shows you how you should have done it. And I used I used to watch a lot of this stuff a few years ago and um, just kind of pick it up here and there. What was but that yeah, called again? Sorted food. Sorted food, right. Yeah, and it's just fun. I... Like last year around about Christmas, they had Emma Thompson on Ooh. and her daughter uh, to do a Christmas, a, what I think it was a pass it on Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. So what happens with pass it on is that they, people get blindfolded. They have a theme mm-hmm. and they draw the names out the hat mm-hmm. and then they have to cook in that order. So the person who cooks first gets 15 minutes Mm-hmm. to start the recipe while the others go off blindfolded mm-hmm. end of the 15 minutes the next one has to come in and pick it up okay and they can only communicate using the stuff that they've left in the kitchen mm-hmm. so like the last one I watched it was like the first one got a theme of you know Turkish and the next one was told that they had to use this ingredient and then someone else had to use this like kitchen gadget and the next one had to use this other like cooking process and then at the end someone came in and was told that they had to serve it in a martini glass (laughs) and just how disjointed and chaotic it is Mm -hmm. Um, that it just ends up being a bit of a disaster and the disaster is what makes it fun because to the normals Mike panics he has like some kind of fear of failure, paralyzation come over him. So he just panics and flaps around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie just <laughs> just kind of throws anything at it and hopes for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so his, I think, can't remember what his real surname is, but they call him Spaffers. Okay. So he's always at the end of it. He's like, I spaffed it. It's fine. Um, and Ben who's the professional chef Mm -hmm. is kind of the straight guy there's Mm -hmm. also another normal called Barry who is obsessed with pretentious ingredients like one pass it on he was like I'm gonna try and make a cloud egg like which was an Instagram trend for a while so he's always trying to do like trendy Instagrammy pretentious things but doesn't really have the skills to pull them off so mm-hmm. that is also comedy gold and then mm-hmm. poor Ben the professional chef who comes in and tries to save a dish or like rescue what they've done um and they all play off of each other pretty well yeah um and oh, they also yeah. take um their community suggests things for them as well so the their youtube community suggests themes for their pass it on videos or kitchen gadgets they should test and things like that so mm-hmm. oh, fun. It, it is a bit of fun and the videos are about 20 minutes long yeah oh good um, so yeah 
that's, that's been good. It's good just background noise. You can kind of tune in and out. Um, after you've watched a few, you kind of know what's happening. If you like zone in and out, you can pick yeah. it up and be like, oh, it's it's Mike having a faff or Jamie messing everything up at the last hurdle or things like that. So mm-hmm. I like them. They're, they've all got good personalities. Um, other than that, try watching a bit of Jamie French based on mm-hmm. your recommendation last week. And I can't get into it. <gasps> <laughs> I've saved this to last because I thought it might be controversial. <laughs> I've watched the full-length videos, which are about 20 minutes upwards yeah. um, on YouTube, and she's just too chill. Even when she's getting like seems to be trying to get emotional about stuff, it's just really that dry sarcasm kind of mm-hmm. relaxed vibe. And I it just wasn't holding my attention no. at all. No. Just couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. No, I enjoy it, but I think it is just that sarcasm and the dryness and the she'll some of the editing in her film, her like videos and stuff where she puts herself in films and mm-hmm. takes the if there's a dance track, she'll take the music off of it and you just have the awkward noise of like sneakers and <laughs> things like that. And yeah, I like watching her shorts on like Facebook, but I, I don't think I could sit through a whole um, video, yeah. like an hour long one. But yeah, yeah. I enjoy just the the, the squidges of, of like, <laughs> her work. That's not the right word, but yeah, the squished bird. Yeah. yeah. Uh- I watched a couple of them and I was like, this just isn't vibing for me. And then mm-hmm. went back to memes of uh, <laughs> people pranking each other. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like the teenage child I am. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what have you been watching, listening to? Well, I watched Breakfast of Champions following <laughs> your um, recommendation yeah. last week. And I absolutely loved it. It was... <laughs> One of the most intense things I've ever watched. I wouldn't want to watch that had I drank too much caffeine or anything else. Um, it's like an LSD fever dream. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was... No, I really enjoyed just how it was like insanity in a film. Just, yeah, an absolute... So intense all the time. Um, just... Yeah, I, I, I don't even, I didn't make any notes on it because I was just just drawn in by the colour and the, the close-ups and the constant <laughs> intensity of everyone. Um, I had to watch it in parts. I couldn't watch it in one full run. I needed a break. Um, but I, it could be one of Bruce Willis's best films. Um, I, I know, mm. right? It's mm-hmm. so underrated and it was mm. so slated when it came out. Even the author, Kurt Vonnegut, was like, this is not true to the source material. This is just wrong. Oh. And it bombs so hard at the box office. But it is magnificent. <laughs> it's like a it's like a B-movie on steroids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the cast of a million, like even thinking about it now, is like Omar Epps' character, where his name is the same as Bruce Willis's character, mm-hmm. and he turns mm-hmm. up trying to get a job at the car mm-hmm. dealership. Yeah. And then he's like living in his car on the lot of the car dealership and having barbecues on his car engine and yeah. just 
Yeah. But yeah. then, like, sometimes you just don't know where to look because Nick Nolte may be in the background of the car dealership where something's happening with Omar Epps, but Nick Nolte is there and you you know he's got a lot going on with his lingerie obsession and then yeah. Bruce Willis is trying to hold it together while he's having a breakdown and then his girlfriend that works at the dealership is like nagging him to do more promotion for and it's just like yeah how much story can we cram into one scene absolutely and then those moments just peppered in of the author driving to not even driving author making his way to um mid midland city midtown city mm -hmm. yeah, yeah whatever it's called um yeah uh just the insanity of that as well it's just yeah I, I i love it i love it and bunny oh my gosh <laughs> he's the best bunny. legitimately the best character in the yeah. whole film i could have i could have had more of bunny i could mm -hmm. yeah i yeah can we just hire him at work to just sit there and like play music in the background and yeah just, everywhere and, needs a lounge yeah. lizard pianist yeah. yeah yeah or a lounge rabbit pianist yeah yeah <laughs> loved his character just made no sense whatsoever why there was some strangely macked and hatted dude following him around. Like, you got it, kid. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, trying to be his agent, but not actually being an agent, just kind of gassing him up. Yeah, yeah, he ends up playing in the same place he was playing before. So, yeah, I just, I loved it. The the fruitful, the I don't even know, the fluffiness of the mum. Um, yeah, the obsession with TV and advertising and it just was like uh, yeah i loved it and everything <laughs> is hyper color it like mm. literally burns your retinas mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i uh yeah fever dream mm -hmm. fever dream i would happily watch again and again so uh yeah because you'll just pick up more things as you watch it um mm -hmm. so, fully enjoyed it absolutely <laughs> loved it sometimes um, you just need a bit of chaos in your life yeah 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 and then on the completely other end of the scale um i was in northumberland this week so with my sister and we were because we were in northumberland watching episodes of vera so, <laughs> completely other end of the scale where it's calm and beautiful open landscapes and murder and a super chilled out female detective uh yeah yeah so, and that was on ITVX, so you can get that one on ITVX. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's very slow, very chilled, very sassy, older woman solving crime. Um, yeah, I, f I feel like whenever I've watched an episode of Vera, like the colour palette of it is very blue, like yeah. kind of blue, grey, Northumberland coast, sometimes in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've only ever watched one full-length episode of Vera. It's it's slow. I have uh, dipped in and out of an episode. I think it's good um, crafting TV mm. kind of thing if you're doing something else and just glance up every now and then. You're not going to miss it. Who plays Vera again? It's like a big actress, isn't it? It's well-known British actress. Yeah. And uh, oh. Who's actually from Kent, which I was very oh. to learn. So, uh, but no, her name escapes me. But Blythe, Blenny, Brenda Blen Blenin, Blenin, yeah, yeah, Blen Blenithin, 
I don't know. I can't oh, Brenda. Pronounce it. Oh, Brenda. <laughs> yeah, Brenda. She she is excellent in it. I love her and her Mac and yeah. her hats. Just I kind of want to buy a Land Rover, even though I can't drive. Um, yeah, <laughs> just, just sit there in my car drinking a flask of tea. Yeah, Landrove has just made me think of the Queen um, in a very similar outfit to Vera, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, women of a certain age that live in the country and drive Land Rovers. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, we've all got to have dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel like that one's pretty achievable. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, but no, not much else, really. Because again, Christmas and stuff uh got in the way yeah no drag I mean, we've... no drag this week so no drag <laughs> i didn't i didn't even have a nap film this week that's how busy i've been oh. Oh. i know i'm heartbroken mm -hmm. um although i'm sure i will have many a nap through my dad's bad romantic comedy hallmark christmas movies that <laughs> i'm sure he's gearing up for um, after we finish tonight, he says he's already got one picked out for us. Oh, yay. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why it's yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have watched a few crappy Christmas films on Netflix, but it's on Netflix, so I shall not speak of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. really haven't watched anything. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like everywhere I go has got Christmas movie. On the drive up to my dad's house, um, I avidly boycotted Christmas music and put on 60s and 70s playlists <laughs> because I just hadn't known. Yeah. And yeah. even my dad commented, he was like, by this point, your nephew would have had all the Christmas songs on. I'm like, nope, not on my watch. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Oh, good, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there, there's a limit. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think oh we're getting we're getting shorter. I think this episode <laughs> is under an hour and a half, Sharon. Well we <laughs> only did two films this time. So we did. We were very yeah. restrained, but did a bit more of a thorough Breakfast of Champions yeah. review, yeah. which is on uh, Pluto. So oh. please watch that, people, because yeah. I feel it should become a cult classic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If nothing, do it for Bunny. <laughs> do it for Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Go and see Bruce Willis's best work. Ever. Ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm an Everyone... average fan of Die Hard. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And we did also talk about Death Becomes It last week. Um, oh, yeah. Which, of course, is another excellent Bruce Willis performance. Yeah. I think we forget this about Bruce Willis. Yeah. He's done a lot of good films. He has. He has. Yeah, I feel maybe it's just been tainted by sequels, mm. diehard sequels. Mm. It's maybe diluted the yeah. goodness. Yeah. Oh, we know, Bruce. We know the truth. <laughs> we do know the truth. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, that's everything from me. Everything yeah. from you. Yeah, I'm all done. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, I hope holidays. you all, yeah, happy holidays. I hope you have a good one, whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, bye. bye.